Welcome to Grace Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name's Nate Davison, and I am your host here at Grace Story Podcast. Thank you for joining us on this episode. We just got through a Grace Story Men's Conference, Legacy Conference 2023, and man, so much happened there. What an amazing first year. We felt God's presence in an amazing way. Uh, received tons of great content, made new friendships, and certainly shared each other's burdens uh, in a special way. We really did appreciate every one of those who attended. Uh, we're praying for each of you uh, as you're listening to this, and can't wait to see you next year uh, yeah, at Grace Story Conference, Men's Conference 2024. In this episode, we're going to be going through some highlights from conference, uh, and we wanted to share a little bit with you, uh, the listening audience, as to what was shared at Grace Story Men's Conference. Before we jump into that, don't forget to download, follow, and leave a five-star review. It helps out so much with uh, spreading the podcast out to more listeners. If you didn't make it to conference but you wanted to be there, uh, you can come next year. And uh, we have special conference-only pricing. Uh, Until the end of May, you can use the code word GRACE159, and you can get up to $90 off of your admission price uh, for next year's conference. That also is for women's conference as well. Grace Story will now be offering a conference price during May and November rather than the usual early bird pricing. Uh, again, use that code GRACE159 anytime during those months uh, to save $90 off of men's and or women's conference. Uh, this is going to be the best published savings for the year. So head on over to GraceStoryMinistries.com, click on Register for Conference, and uh, use Grace159. Our first highlight from conference was during uh, a session with Kathy Sprinkle. Uh, She's from Counseling Alliance. Kathy Sprinkle is a certified sex addiction therapist, EMDR specialist, and development and relational trauma therapist. After decades as a social worker working with at-risk youth and dysfunctional families, she joined the staff of Counseling Alliance. Her love of people, compassion, creative counseling techniques, and team approach to therapy are at the core of her counseling philosophy. Uh, Her session, Getting Your Story Straight, was on Friday at 7 p.m. It was fantastic. Let's go to a little part of that session right now. So part of it is being absolutely willing to unflinchingly look at some of the things that have happened in your life. And that's really hard. We need to look at the mistakes you've made, the mistakes others have made. That's the reality that Ryan was talking about earlier. And then we need to be willing to understand that while others in your life may have done the best they could, it's not disloyal. It's not disloyal to them at all to get the reality in your life. See, if you and I are sitting in my office and we've got this big birthday cake in there and I've got the knife and you say, Kathy, will you give me the knife, please? And I stand up and I go to hand you the knife and I trip and I fall and I slice your thigh open. You're going to, I have a really pretty office. You're going to bleed all over on my nice couch. If I say, you know, I really never did like you since you came in here. I don't think you're a very good man. And I stab you in your thigh. You're going to bleed all over my nice couch. How you feel about me is different, whether I intentionally did it or I just accidentally tripped. But the truth is, you may still be bleeding. 
And see, tonight, maybe some of you, as we talk about families of origin, you may have come from the greatest family in the world. I haven't met a perfect family yet, but maybe that's kind of what I do for a living. But we all know our families weren't perfect. But maybe you need to hear this for your best buddy. Maybe you need to hear this for some other family. So I just want you to hang with me as we look at, we're not going to blame anybody tonight, blaming our parents. When I did the, the trauma work that I do now, back in the 80s, we just took people back to look at their families of origin, and we blamed their parents, and we sat in a pity party. That didn't work for me. And then I was able to find some people who knew how to teach me how to take people back and get the story straight. And then once you've got the story straight and you can say, that impacted me. My dad may not have meant to do that. My mother didn't mean to do that. But it impacts me today in my marriage and with my children. Then we can say, oh, now it's, if you choose Therapist, it's my responsibility with my therapist to figure out now how do we unplug that? Because many of us go through life holding, okay, when you were a little kid, especially guys, girls did this too, there were those hard uh, dodgeballs you know, that we like to kill people with. So we would take those when we were in the pool and we would hold them under the water, right? And you'd like to see how long you could hold it under the water. And at first, it's great, right? And then it gets a little bit harder, a little bit harder. And finally, your earlobes are hurting from holding it under the water. That's what we do when we haven't got our story straight. We're holding balls under the water. And what happens when we let them go? Right? They come up and splash everybody around them. So I need for you to be brave enough to admit, although you are forgiven from your, your poor decisions, that scars may still remain. We've all made bad decisions. We're all sinners saved by grace. But I want to talk to you for just a second as we're deciding to go back and look at some things. The difference between guilt and shame. Now, I know you've all heard that. Guilt is what I've done. Shame is who I think I am. One of my friends several years ago, I have some really confrontive friends, thank God, literally thank God for. And one of them said, you make a lot of contracts with the enemy, Kathy. What? Now she said, God says this about you, and the enemy says this about you, and you go with him every time. Well, sometimes he's got the goods on me, right? Sometimes he is right. So that sent me on this journey of trying to figure out the difference between guilt and shame and how I could get shame out of my life. Guilt can motivate us. Shame is saying, I am this thing, this thing that is rejected, this thing that is guilty, this thing that is damaged in some sort of way. Here's the deal. Now, in my therapy, if you use the words always, never, or ever, I'm probably going to say, hey, that's not true. You may feel like your wife always does this, and she may feel like you never do that, but it's not accurate. It just feels that way. One of my exceptions to that rule is every single whisper of shame in the Christian's life is a lie. Because your shame was nailed to the cross 2,000 years ago. Grace can't even cover it because the blood of Jesus already did. So what we do sometimes is we resurrect that shame. And we say, I am this, I am that. That's not going to work, guys. Except for really biblical things. I usually don't talk much in my counseling office about right and wrong. I talk about what's helpful. 
That's not helpful, okay, for us to go back time and time and time again and say, I am that, because you put yourself in direct contradiction with what God says about you. I have a, a special guest tonight. Dr. Rick Betts is here with me tonight, and you're going to hear, you heard me talk, you heard Ryan talk, and tomorrow you're going to hear Dr. Um, Tim Barber. All of us are Timothys of Dr. Rick Butts, who taught me how to do trauma work that actually heals people instead of blames people. So there's several things that every child needs. You needed it, your parents needed it, your children need it. The first thing is, every child needs to know that they're valuable. They're valuable not for how they look, whether they're athletically or musically, or musically gifted, are valuable because they are. And if we don't get that, sometimes there's some wounding in our life that takes place for a long time. We need to be able to be vulnerable. That means we need to, and see, aren't we all struggling with that as adults? How to be vulnerable. Ryan spent a long time talking about that. How we are appropriately vulnerable with people. How we can show people who we are and be known because that's where true healing happens. Ryan said the healing happens in community. I think Nate said healing happens in community. And we can't have true community until we have true vulnerability. And we learn or don't learn that usually with our family of origin. The number three thing is that a child needs to know that they can be imperfect. So I want you to think back. You're six years old. You're sitting um, at the dinner table and you spill the milk. What happens? The appropriate thing is one of your parents says, oh, sweetheart, come on, help me clean that up. If there was an explosion, you weren't allowed to be perf imperfect. And that's the safest place for children to be imperfect is in a safe home, right? But sometimes some of us grew up in homes where we could not be imperfect. Then there is dependent. Every child needs to know to grow into a functional adult how to be appropriately dependent. That means not <clears throat> overly dependent, which sometimes is codependency, or not being anti-dependent, which means I don't need anybody and I especially don't need community and I don't need the church and I don't need to be known. In the middle of that is interdependence with others, people who we let know us. And the last thing that, or spontaneous is the next one. Think about it, and I stole this from Rick Betts, it's the first day of your little kid. You're about eight years old. It's the very first day of summer break. To um, the baseball field. And you got your bat over the shoulder. You got your glove right here. And you're going. And it's going to be sun. And you are so joyous, you just start to skip. Because you'd explode if you didn't skip. We have to have that kind of joy within us. We have to have learned that as children or now learn it as adults because it's contagious and the joy of the Lord's our strength, right? But we have to have that spontaneity. And last, we have to have appropriate attachment. That usually happens between years one and three or zero and three. Some of us didn't get it. I didn't for sure. But we have to work on appropriate attachment to people. And that tends to happen an awful lot in the therapist's office of learning how to trust how to honor people, how to be vulnerable again, how we can be known and be a part of them and be appropriately attached to others in our lives. 
such a great session with Kathy. Uh, we can't wait to have her back next year as well. Uh, so if you if you missed out, again, go over to GraceStoryMinistries.com, type in that code, Grace159, uh, save $90 off the admission, and we'll be there. You'll be there. Um, it'll be a great time together learning and growing and continuing on our journeys of restoration. Our next clip is from the session with Darren Sines. He's actually Amber's pastor from Michigan, and he joined in as our conference pastor, uh, praying for the each speaker behind the scenes just before they'd go on, after they'd come off. Um, and then he shared in his session on reintroducing Jesus. So let's go to that session right now. If you're not convinced that God loves you, then I want to share with you how your Father in heaven loves you. And I just want you to remember how that he knows every detail. He knows every piece of brokenness within you, every piece of hurt that you have stowed aside in, uh, inside of your heart. But I want you to understand that there's nothing that you've done that surprised God, no hiccup that you've caused in his plans. You haven't stumped him. And even with all of that, even with all of that, God has gone on record about how much he loves you. He sent his son Jesus to die for your sins and for mine and to heal our brokenness. Guys, it's important for us to know this uh, because in view of that knowledge, we often ask questions then like this, like, uh, then God, why did I have to go through all of this? And when we don't get the answers that we're, that we're wanting, we're tempted to give up on God. Man, it's important that in these times that we don't give up what we know about God for what we don't know about God. What we do know is that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. And by the way, Jesus came of his own accord. This wasn't some kind of cosmic child abuse. Jesus said, I give up my life of my own accord, right? God sent his son, Jesus, to die for our sins, to heal our brokenness, and to restore our relationship with our heavenly father. That's what we know, even if we don't have all the answers in our current circumstances. Jesus has redeemed each one of us. That means that he went out of his way. He paid a very high price for us, even when we were broken. And through God's son, a way was made for you and for me to be adopted into his family all the rights and privileges of a son, co-heirs, siblings with Jesus Christ. And this is what I love most about God. I know all these things about him. I know that he is omniscient. I know that he's omnipresent. I know that he's omnipotent. I'm thankful for all those qualities of the Godhead, but I have no context for them. What I'm most grateful for is that God is a father and that I'm a father. And God has given me a context through which I can relate to him. And each day it seems that he reminds me of his love for me through our son, Ryan. You know, I became a Christian 30 years before that boy was born, and by the next week, I had learned more about God than I had known about him in all the days of my life. If you're a parent, you know that, right? 
that, that first week after your child is born, you think more things about God than you ever knew beforehand. So I want to just take a minute to share how God regularly restores my childhood through the present moment, all right? Because we're, sometimes, aren't we expecting him to just split the sky, roll back the clouds? I mean, that's what we want. We want to be rescued, right? We want to be rescued. Sometimes God does things like this, but this is how it more commonly happens. At least this has been my, my personal experience. You know, when I go fishing with my son, Ryan, I, sometimes he'll hook into a fish you go, hey, Dad, look at this big hog I got on the line, right? Sometimes it's just this little chip thing that, that he's reeling in. And, uh, you know, he's get this, he gets this uh, laugh that's going on. And I go, I, I'm just thinking inside my spirit. I go, I just love to be with this boy. And immediately, almost instantly, God speaks into my spirit. And he goes, I love to be with you. And nobody told me that before. Can't tell you how soothing that is to my soul. I remember this other time when Ryan was out in the backyard. We'd been tearing apart a deck on the back of the house, but I, I was wanting to save the wood so that we could build him a little bit of a fort. And so we were stacking the woods out in the barn. And I was telling him to be careful because there was still nails and screws in the boards. And... Uh, I said, be careful, son, you might step on a nail, right? He's got brand new muck boots. They weren't cheap. And he was out there in the barn, and next thing I know, I heard him howling, right? He stepped on a nail, went right through his brand new, they were one day old, brand new pair of muck boots with a hole right through the bottom of them. I heard him out there howling, I heard him screaming, so guess what I did? I, I did what any, any dad would do. I, I ran right out there. I scooped him up. I ran across the yard. I sat him on the bench, and while the dog licked up his blood, I put a cloth on the bottom of his foot. And I was reminded of the times throughout my life when Jesus carried me. When Jesus bound up my wounds, even after warning me in advance of a potential misstep. He even held me while I grieved over my mistake. Guys, this is how the loving Heavenly Father that we know wants to love you. This is how he does it. Each night, Ryan goes to bed at 9.30. And each night, I, I get the privilege of going in and talking with him right after he climbs into bed. And I tell him that I love him. And we talk about his day and Usually when I tell him, I love you, he's like, Rrr. those are typical answers that you get from a kid, right, when they don't know how to respond to something like that when you're saying it. But we have this little conversation. We talk about his day. Right now it's all about driver's ed with mom or running his lawn care business. But when we're finished, he says, Dad, don't stay up too late. Boys know, don't they? Sometimes things happen after dark. And I just am so privileged because he just loves daddy's heart. And so usually I'm in bed by 10 o'clock and, and then the same process happens all over again. 
I have a conversation with my heavenly father. I get to feel the presence of his love as I talk about my day with him. Then there are some private prayers just before he grants me sleep for the night. My wife and I weren't even supposed to have kids. But when I met her, she said, if you want kids, she goes, I am not the woman for you. (laughs) And I just want to really slow down here, okay? I just want to, I really want to, I really want you to see how God loves you, right? He showed me how much he loves me. So we were going through this period of life. My wife and I had been married 17 years, never had a conversation about kids. And there was a couple at work. There was a couple also at church that they were having kids, and God just began to stir something inside of me. I felt like God was wanting us to have a family together. And I was scared to death because I'm like, I, I'm okay with this. But God, you're going to have to bring my wife to me because I I didn't want to go to my wife and have her not have a changed heart about this. I didn't want her to think that she was robbing me of something. And so I began to pray. I, I called my friend Rich, and I told him what God had been speaking into my heart, and we decided that we were going to pray about it together. And so we did. We, we prayed for a week. And then one night I was in the bathroom. I was shaving, and my wife came in and sat down on the tub behind me. And she said, I got to tell you something's going to blow your socks off. Right? She began to tell me how God had been speaking to her heart about having a family. So I let her talk for 20 minutes. And then I turned around and leaned on the counter and I said, baby, I'm going to tell you something's going to blow your socks off. I said, I have been praying and Rich has been praying that you would come to me and tell me just that. Well, the story's kind of complicated because when I was 27, I got the old snip, snip, right? And I was now 39. And so we went to the doctor in hopes of getting things put back together because when when the first process took place, they said this is permanent, right? We didn't know that could be undone. Well, it, it couldn't be undone. But here we are, we're in front of the doctor, and the doctor says, you know what? Guys going through this process, or this process after a couple of years, their spouses are not getting pregnant. So he goes, really don't have much of a chance. But we just felt like God was wanting to do this. And we prayed, and we, we told God that if he would give us a child, that we would do our best to give him godly offspring. And then he gave us a boy. The only male grandchild in our family to carry on our family name, the one that would have died with me. I love my wife, and I love my son, but you want to know what's really exciting for me? I never told my wife what was going on in my heart. God brought her to me. For the first time in my life, 
I knew for sure that there was a God because I had been silent. I didn't tell my wife beforehand that I had been praying for this. I didn't tell her that, you know, God's just been changing my heart. All of that stuff came after. For the first time in my life, I knew that there was a God. And so my perspective began to change. And this is what I want to make sure you don't miss. God allowed me to become a father even though I had chosen not to be one. And he did it so that I would have a context for his love for me. Through being a father, God has brought healing into my story and he's brought healing into how I feel about my own dad. And I can't wait to see him in eternity because there were some things that were unresolved that we didn't get worked out. Man, this is how God loves us. This is how he does it. I don't know what your circumstances are, but he will show up in the midst of whatever it is you're in the middle of, and he'll work it out for your good. Such a great session with Darren there. If you missed out on conference, head on over to GraceStoryMinistries.com. Use that code GRACE159 uh, so we can see you next year. Uh, Now, we'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. If you're listening on the Apple Podcast app, give us a follow, tap a five-star rating, and drop a review. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow there and hit the notification bell to never miss an episode. There's no us without you, so get engaged. Continue on your journey of restoration. We'll see you in two weeks for another episode. And until then, we'll be praying for you.